Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Kate Fakaronga mai kwekito tato al horihori. He hotaka e panaki te putayo te tayo me te kopapa o te ora. You're with our changing world on RNZ National and now, cheating and deception in the flower world. Each spring, when little spider orchids burst into flower on the forest floor, the fungus gnats become confused. Or do they? Carlos Lenebach from Te Papa is studying the intriguing relationship between the orchids and the tiny insects. He wants to find out if the orchids are luring the gnats to pollinate them by smelling like mushrooms. I join Carlos for a walk in the beech forest on the eastern shores of Wellington Harbour to find out more about botanical deceit. The Rimutaka Hills is actually quite rich in orchids. There are about, I don't know, over perhaps 50 species growing up here. Most of the orchids that you'll find in here are actually growing on the ground, so they're all terrestrial, but there are about four or five species that you will find growing on trees. So those are the epiphytic orchids. OK, let's crouch down for a little closer look at these things, which are totally tiny. They've got a little heart-shaped leaf and tiny little green flowers sticking up on a little spike. So these little orchids are called uh, pixie cap orchid, and it's a very common native species. And uh, their flowers produce nectar so we think that whatever it's visiting the orchids actually is eating the nectar and then pollinates the orchid but we don't have much information. They're so delicate. Yes and it's very complicated when you've got very uh, fat fingers and you need to work <laughs> and try to pollinate these orchids. So you end up feeling like a big clumsy giant yes, around them. that's the problem with these things. <laughs> Okay, well, these aren't the orchids you're the bringing me to I'm, look at. The ones that I'm studying are probably just a few metres away. Uh, there's something quite interesting I've noticed in uh, New Zealand forest is that usually you'll find five or four different species of orchids growing together. That's not um, the usual. Orchids have um, uh, an association or a partnership with fungi. Usually that association is species-specific, so it's one species of fungi to one species of orchid. So if you have several species of orchids growing together, that could mean that these are probably all of them sharing the same fungi. And um, these are underground fungi? That you're these are underground about? fungi that's just found under the, the leaf litter or in the soil, basically. And the fungi gets inside the root of the orchid, so the fungi is living inside the, the orchid root. What makes orchids different from other flowering plants is that their seeds don't have any store food in them, so they don't have endosperm, they don't have any starch that helps the little embryo to grow in the very first um, stages of development. So they need to be infected by a fungi. When the fungi infects the embryo, that helps to bring all the food uh, into the embryo and triggers the um, development and the growth of the little embryo. So if you, you could have seeds, and you can plant the seeds anywhere in your garden or in any forest, but if that fungi is not, the specific fungi for that species of orchid, is not in the spot where you want to plant, it will not grow. 
So there's a cluster of these little orchids here, and that's probably because there's a cluster of the it's those of mycorrhizal the fungi. Of fungi. The fungi. And then when the seeds fall, it's a great place for them to be. Exactly. So the ones you've got in here is the pixie cup orchid. Over here we have um, the green hood orchid. And over here you've got two little leaves on that side, and that is chyloglottis. It's another native orchid. So that probably suggests that these uh, species are actually sharing the same uh, species of mycorrhiza, of endomycorrhiza. Okay, onwards, in search of more orchids. Great. So these little things in here, these are spider orchids. So here you've got like tiny leaf, and right behind it's a flower. And these bits that you see in there sticking out, like red wires, those are the sepals and the petals. And that dark roundish bit in there that it's the labellum or the lip which is one of the main features of orchids it's, a, it's also a petal that's been it's highly modified and one of the main functions of this petal is to attract the pollinators attention these orchids are known as spider orchids and if you look at the flowers and the way that the sepals and petals are positioned they're very insect-like so they look like they're going to attack quite alien-like they look actually <laughs> that little aliens it's, it's a head so these orchids, unlike many other orchids, they don't produce any nectar. So there's no food for the insects that are pollinating these orchids. So this strategy is um, known as deception. So it's a deceptive species where there's no reward for the pollinator that it's uh, going to do the pollination service. How's it going to attract the pollinators then? Well, the different strategies that deceptive orchids have to attract pollinators. In this case, we think that this little orchid is mimicking the scent that mushrooms in general produce. So it's a flower that smells like a mushroom? It's a flower that smells like a mushroom, but not to the human nose, because I've tested it and I can't uh, detect any mushroom-like aroma. I'll have a sniff anyway, shall I? Just in case I happen to have a finely developed sense of mushroom, which I don't think it. I do. <laughs> have to say, all I can smell is forest floor. Yes, and uh, well, and we think that it's a mushroom what these uh, orchids are mimicking because people have reported for many years little flies inside the, the flowers and, and also fly eggs stuck inside the flowers. Some lucky observers have seen that little... Uh, flies known as uh, fungus nets and uh, we believe that these orchids are mimicking the scent of the mushrooms in which fungus nets normally will go and lay their eggs. So what exactly are you trying to do? Are you trying to work out whether this relationship exists here and what fungus net it has a relationship with? When I first started with this um, project I had a few questions first uh, in mind. One was trying to test if this was actually real, if this association was existent. But then when I started to look into the spider orchids, I found out that there are actually many undescribed species. And what we have in front of us is actually an undescribed species of spider orchids just 45 minutes away from Wellington, CBD practically. So that's one of the things that I had to do. Is this actually a different species of spider orchid or not? Then 
the next question was, well, is this actually being pollinated by fungus nets or not? So uh, during the last uh, three or four years, I've been trying to uh, understand what's the relationship of these orchids with fungus nets and also learning a lot about fungus nets because that's another group of organisms in New Zealand that we don't have much information. So we don't know if actually the fungus nets are using these orchids to lay their eggs and if the larvae actually eats the flower or if the larvae actually will just die. And the benefit to the orchid is that the fungus gnats presumably get lured in here by this mushroomy smell. They wander around, they get covered in pollen, they go, mm, yes, no, yes, no, wander off to another flower, rub that pollen around. So what the plant is hoping is that the insect will move between flowers move the pollen around yes and orchids unlike other flowering plants the pollen is all clumped together into a single mass so when an insect visits an orchid it will remove the entire load of pollen of that flower and then when it goes to the second orchid will deposit that entire load of pollen on the other flowers so it's a system another strategy that orchids have to make sure that if there's one visit at least all their pollen is taken out in that single visit and then the entire load of pollen will fertilize lots of ovules on another flower and i was just looking on the leaf leader over there and i thought i saw a little fungus net flying around just over there so we're looking for something very small? So it's very small and they're about three millimeters length and uh, they have a very erratic flight pattern. So you're doing some experiments? How, how are you doing those? So, are you doing them here or are you doing yes, them Yes, we're doing else? them here and we'll just walk a little bit higher up in the track and I'll show you where I've got all the pollination enclosures and I've got some other experiments that I'm running in um, colder and humid settings like my bathtub. <laughs> what a great place to carry out experiments. <laughs> it's, uh, it's the best uh, place that I was able to copy the the habitat where these orchids are normally found. And uh, the good thing is that I can always keep an eye on, on, on the fungus nets and on the flowers. So every morning, first thing, I can go and check and see what's happening. Any more sign of that little fungus net flying around? I think it went up the track, so um, might be a sign. We should go to. We should go to the next spot. And we've climbed up a steep ridge. It's a bit windier up here. And here we are at the spider orchid experiment site. And I can tell that it's your experimental site because there's lots of funny little covers and little labels everywhere. And lots and lots and lots of orchids. Plastic tags that indicate where the plants are. Um, it looks a little bit like a, like a graveyard. And, uh, and then the other upside-down caps over there are the ones that have armipollination um, enclosures. So inside of those caps, there's actually an orchid flower. And I'm just trying to, to keep, the fungus, to keep the fungus nuts out correctly and see if the orchid can self-pollinate.
and uh, in a few days I will come around again and with a needle I'll be lying here on my stomach and trying to I'll be trying to pollinate the flowers and making sure that I don't destroy them after I finish, finish with the pollination work. Something else I've been doing in here as well is studying the behavior of the, of the pollinators, of the fungus nets. And for that, I've just been using um, just a video camera. And then later on at home, on a rainy day, I can sit down and uh, look at the, what I've got in the footage. It can be very, very boring. But, and then after hours of looking footage, then you actually get the chance, your very lucky moment that you've got a five seconds visitation, for example, or ten seconds visitation of a fungus nets in these orchids. The good thing with this orchid is that it's also clonal, so it's spread producing runners. So what we have in here could be actually just one single individual that over the years has been vegetatively it's been growing and covering up this area and just recently with collaborators from Messi University we've developed microsatellites and that's a technique that is going to help us to find out if there are different uh, individuals in this uh, area and also to find out how much outcrossing actually happens how much are this cross-pollinating these orchids we're also looking at the genetics of these plants to find out if we have several species of spider orchids. And recently we've got an article published in which we describe five new species of spider orchids that all those five species were previously lumped underneath, underneath one species name, Corybus trilobus. So what you've managed to show at the moment is that there are more species than you thought and everything else is still an open question. Exactly. We have confirmed now that the pollinator of this orchid is actually fungus nets because, well, one, we've collected the eggs and larvae that we found on the flowers and we've got... DNA out of those eggs and larvae and now genetically we have matched those to the fungus net and we found out that at this stage at least preliminary data is sort of indicating that, that there is a one-to-one -one relationship so we found a specific species of fungus net on a specific species of orchid and if we can fully demonstrate that, that would be Fantastic, because New Zealand's not well known for their by its um, species-specific interaction at the pollination level. It's known by its generalist pollination systems. So you have uh, whatever it's out there pollinates the flowers. Yeah, that will change completely the story of uh, of the pollination in New Zealand. So it's pretty tricky. You're dealing with things that are pretty small. You've got about a month each year in which you can possibly do it. But on the plus side. The ones that the experiments running in your bathtub are coming along nicely. Yes, it's been uh, so that's it's, helpful. It's it's been very helpful. Everything happens very fast, and I need uh, last year I spent about a week. I had to talk to my manager and I said, "I'm sorry, but this whole week I'll be in my bathtub, just <laughs> looking at fungus nets, having sex on flowers." Because what we've noticed is that actually the males are sitting on the flowers of these orchids and they start doing some wing vibration. And I, I think that that's a call that they have to attract females. And after a couple of minutes of wing vibration, and sometimes 
10-20 minutes of wing vibration, you will see an interested female that land on the labellum, on the lip again, interested in the dance moves of this insect. And yeah, they will copulate. That will be a matter that is, it's a very short affair. It's just a few seconds and then the female flies away and the male stays on the flower dancing or calling again for another uh, female to come around. It's not very good for the larvae because the larvae or the eggs, they actually just, they just die. Yeah, this system is known as um, a brute sight deception. Run that one past me brute, again. Brute sight deception. So females, pregnant females are deceived. They think that they're laying their eggs on a substrate that is actually good for their, um, for their babies. And it's not. So it's the, the females have been full in this case, but we think that there must be something on the orchid scent that attracts the male in the first place, but also there must be something that attracts the female and fool the female or entice the female to lay their eggs in the flowers. And that's what you think is the mushroom smell? Yes, that's, uh, that's the mushroom smell. We've had um, uh, colleagues from uh, Victoria University that have been uh, looking into the scent analysis and uh, we've been quite successful um, identifying some of the compounds. We don't have names yet for those compounds, but several of those are found as well in mushrooms. And what was pretty interesting was that when we compared the scent of different species of spider orchids, we found out that you can actually separate them according to species based on the aroma. And that's not something that I can do with the genetics that I was using, so that's pretty exciting. Give me a quick snapshot, an overview then, of what it is that you found to date and the questions that you're still answering. So what we know today is that there are several new species of spider orchids, and there are a few more like this one that needs to be named. We know that females and male fungus gnats are visiting the orchids, and when they do their courtship behaviour they pollinate the orchids. We know that different species of spider orchids are attracting different species of fungus nuts. And uh, we know from the scent profiles of the different orchids that they actually smell differently and that there are compounds in the flowers that are also found in mushrooms. So the orchids really are being very deceptive about all this. Yes, they, they benefit the poor fungus gnats. Exactly. Yeah. It's very interesting that these things are flowering in the winter. It's pretty bad for me because I have to go out when it's cold and miserable. But that's the moment when mushrooms are out. So it's a good moment for the orchid to be out flowering because if there are mushrooms out there, it means that there are fungus nets as well. That was Carlos Lenebach from Te Papa. That's all for now. For more, check us out on the web, rnz.co.nz slash ourchangingworld. Matewa. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.